As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Big Mike is entrenched in battle right now with everybody. There's quotes coming out from the locker room that he's not prepared and they don't trust him and blah, 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 all this stuff. If you had to go from like LaFleur to McCarthy, do you think that would have been a difficult transition or no? Every coach has different personality. I think at the core, there's a lot of similarities between, uh, you know, between coaches. I think you never want to to hear the inside sources or somebody from the inside or somebody going on, not not going on the record. These anonymous quotes or whatever. You don't ever want any of those things. The long season, obviously, losing Dak doesn't you know doesn't help because he was off to one of the greatest starts in history as far as like the amount of yards he was passing for and the efficiency but uh but i know mike knows how to steer those difficult situations but it doesn't matter who you are whether it's you know somebody talking about a player or a coach you never want those unnamed sources to come out the you know that anonymous stuff i think that's, that's some chicken shit the only thing else i got to say is how about them cowboys how about them cowboys indeed it's cowboys v football team this weekend where the Cowboys could take a commanding 3-4 and four lead into the division, or they could disappoint us again. We'll see what happens Sunday at noon in Washington. But first, gosh, is there a lot to talk about inside the locker room with your Dallas Cowboys, where it never fails to create drama. And we'll also get into the preview of the game, of course. But plenty to discuss, so welcome in to About Them Cowboys. I'm Kent Garrison, producing as always, reminding you, the listener, that you could be listening to this show while reading John Mishota's articles or Bob Sturm's lengthy pieces on the Cowboys over at The Athletic. Cash in your subscription now for a dollar at theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys. That's one dollar. Secure it now. Theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys. But without further ado... Let's bring in our trusted panel for this episode, the Athletics' father, John Mishota, and our very own Kevin K.T. Turner. And gosh, I mean, I, I thought we'd just come on here and talk a little bit about, uh, you know, Dwayne Haskins' uh, quarterback situation in Washington, maybe uh, Cowboys game plan and get on out of here. But, you know, like I said, K.T., uh, the Dallas Cowboys never fail to uh, drum up drama. And uh, man, what a dramatic week it was. 
I've always said that if you're not going to be very good, you might as well give us some storylines to talk about. And they've <laughs> exactly. done that. Exactly. Not only are they dealing with a whirlwind of injuries that is, uh, you know, obviously a difficult pill to swallow. Not only are they dealing with a roster that we're finding out is just not as good as it was last year. Uh, from a talent standpoint, it just doesn't hold up. Well, we've also got some chatty Cathy's on the team here. Uh <laughs> Here's the tweet from Jane Slater of the NFL Network. This was on Tuesday. Cowboys players initially bought into keeping things internal. Now as they sit two and four, the discontent is leaking out. On the coaching staff, quote, totally unprepared. They don't teach. They don't have any sense of adjusting on the fly, end quote. Another quote was, they just aren't good at their jobs. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> so, man, I, I when I saw that, I immediately thought, well, it's just week six. Like, we're going into week seven and this is happening. Th- these are quotes from, from players who are first place in their division. Not that that really matters. Um, but that is a little more uh, vindictive than some of the whispers we were hearing last year with a little bit of unhappiness in the locker room. Um, but you know, I never really thought that was really aimed at the coaching staff. You should really know where that was all aimed. But there was definitely some chatter in that locker room last year at the end of the year about some of the problems they were having internally. When you start having quotes come out to a reporter from players on the record, but they won't put their name on it, that's, that's guys trying to get people fired. Like, straight up. That's what that is. So... That was my immediate takeaway on it was someone is taking matters into their own hands. Uh, This is not me. This is on them, and the public needs to know that it's on them. And maybe that's a lack of accountability. I would agree that it's the wrong thing to do, but I immediately thought that was aimed at getting uh, getting someone's, you know, job taken away from them. What do you think, John? Yeah, that certainly was part of my thoughts on it as well, but I think my bigger takeaway was just the fact of, we got a pretty large sample size on Jason Garrett's time as head coach, almost a decade. And I don't remember anything like that happening. And so that kind of stood out to me too, that it's like, man, we're not even a full year into this new coaching regime. And and there's this stuff's already coming out. Like, and, and Mike McCarthy said that while he got a chance to address it the last couple of days is that, you know, this early in the process, like you have to address this stuff. There's no, when he's asked about it this week, there's no like, yeah, we're not worried about that. Not, you know, unnamed sources, whatever. Like, no, he addressed it with the team, you know, and, and his message was that my door is always open. Like you can come talk to me, uh, air this stuff out with me. We don't need to be putting the stuff out there like that. Um, but that sounds good. But is that reality? Like just take out the Cowboys from, let's just take our own lives or anybody that's listening uh-huh. right now. Like, are you going to sit there and go to your boss um, because your manager you don't think can manage when here's the scenario, your boss and your manager are very good friends. That's why that manager got that position. Like, are you really going to go above him and go complain to your boss about it when you know, like, that's his boy? Like, he's not going to, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just, yeah. whether whether that's right or wrong just as a, as a human being, like you just, it's going to be awkward to try and do that, you know? And so, uh, yeah, it's the whole thing's fascinating to me because like I said, uh, things obviously aren't going well on the field, but 
this makes this takes things to another level. This is where <laughs> th- these are cracks in the foundation. This is what stuck out to me, uh, KT, and kind of to your point when you know they're trying to get people fired. What's the end game here? What is the strategy? McCarthy's not getting fired <laughs> this year or probably yeah. next year. He's he's going to have time to figure this thing out with a healthy DAC, with an offensive line that's put together. You know, they're going to give this thing a chance. So, what advantage does this have? To go out to the media, just to let America know how they feel internally, because all this does to me is create more problems inside that locker room. When they try to figure out who this was, why they said it, um, you know, like, like I I feel like a team, especially a young team like this, you've got to be able to keep things internal and and air out your frustrations or whatever. Close the door and scream at each other. Do whatever you can, but you've got to be able to keep it internal and deal with your problems and for somebody, you know, you heard it in the open there with Aaron Rodgers saying it's it's chicken shit for somebody to do this. I, I completely agree with that. I mean, it's com- it's complete chicken shit. And, you know, close the door of the locker room and, and have the talk am- amongst men. Don't go to a reporter and put this out anonymously on Twitter. I don't see there's no, this does nothing except create problems. What if the talks have already happened? What if there oh, this stuff has already been I don't think there's out. already I don't think there's already been closed door meetings like where the team just just blatantly agrees like these aren't the guys to take us to the promised land. I don't think I don't think that Okay. Let me throw out this I mean, scenario. Maybe. Let me throw this scenario out to you real quick here. And again, this we don't even have to apply this to Cowboys. We can just do it our everyday life and you can just get where I'm going on this. You really like your bosses? You really like the guys you work for? Somebody throws them under the bus? Don't you think you come out and kind of defend them? They they have these can't see it obviously in the pockets we have these yeah, phones we yeah. have these phones that yeah, you can no, like it's weird you can go on twitter or instagram you can go anywhere you want nowadays and you can just get your message out there you don't even have to talk to the media where i'm i might miss it i, I mean i live on twitter but maybe i maybe that <laughs> eight hours that i fell asleep which probably wasn't even that six hours maybe um did i miss it did i miss the defending of no that's not i don't know who these sources are that's not true at all where 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 are those? Um, yeah. Yesterday, yesterday From- we got a we got a we got a chance to talk to players. Um, you know, on our Zoom calls, and uh, we got to talk to one player from the defense, and that was Sean who Lee, was- who hasn't oh. even been playing. Like, so where yeah. are the players that are like, no, put me on one of those calls today? I'm I'm gonna, you know what I'm saying? Like, where's that? So you mean Snake Lee? <laughs> can I can <laughs> I address one situation at a time right now? All right, so where where so that's my whole thing on that is like if it's completely erroneous and it's completely false, then where is that? That's what I want to know. Yeah, where are yeah, the people no. being like, no, we love this coaching staff. Like, no, no, that that's bullshit. This, these are our guys, <laughs> man. We like playing for these guys. Where where is that? That's so true. And and I did watch Sean Lee's interview, John, and and he didn't say that's not how the locker room feels. We're all in on this coaching staff, and that's just not indicative. What he said was exactly kind of what I said of. We need to be able to deal with this stuff internally and figure this thing out on our own without having outside sources become, you know, the solution. And yeah, maybe that's that's kind of how they feel internally. But like I said, they got to figure this thing out on their own. And it does no good to get Jane Slater involved, really. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm also obviously I was a guy who's very critical of Mike McCarthy before his boots were ever on the ground here in Texas. There is a part of me that does feel bad for him. And I'm not sure if that's where I'm at 100%, but there's a part of me that's like, God, how did he, like, he got into this mess that was left over for him because that what the, the 
chatter in the locker room about things not being 100% on the up and up, that is legit. We talked about this last year going down the stretch. A big problem of why they were losing games. We're finding out this is way more than a Jason Garrett problem. They have cancerous players on their roster. And I don't know who it is, but they have it. And I, in my, in my experience, obviously not as an NFL player, but in my experience, when you have a team or a group of people and you have toxic or cancerous people uh, in that environment, those people are also the least likely people to ever take accountability for their actions. And in this case, actions are talking to a reporter without putting your name on it. Okay, that's fine. But it's also your play on the football field. So I can't help but immediately shift my head to defense just because on the offense, it's Zach Martin and four guys on the offensive line, right? Uh, I don't feel like the wide receiver. The wide receivers are having a great year. Why would they talk? Andy Dalton coming in. Zeke can't talk right now, obviously, and we'll talk about Zeke here in a minute. Like, it feels like it's definitely coming from the defensive side of the ball where you did have a bit of an overhaul when it comes to the scheme. I, I keep going back to this, and it may not be anything, but just I'm just going to throw it out there because it might be. I thought it was so strange that Brandon Carr just mysteriously is not on the roster anymore. And I don't know if it's a thing where he got here and went, oh, man, this is bad. I'll get out. Or if it's a thing where he just got cut because he can't play. Or maybe there was some disagreements going on about what's happening on defense. Because but KT, for them KT, to have a, it's not like he's been quick. in the league. It's not like he's been in the league for a long time. It's not like he hasn't played on good. Oh wait, yeah, he has. It's not like he hasn't been with good. Or, oh yeah, he has. Oh, it's not like he's been a starter in the. Oh yeah, no, he has. Like Brandon Carr is a very interesting person. He's a, he's an NFL Man of the Year candidate. You know what I'm saying? Like this dude. isn't some dude that that's just like. Well, I don't really know about that guy. Like, why yeah, would I mean, you not want that guy in your team? When you, you know? got Daryl Worley, he's just not going to see the field. I mean, when you got you got to get yeah. your playmakers make plays. You know, I, I that's what I'm saying. I think when you have a guy who's as good of a dude universally as as Brandon Carr. It's just very mysterious that he's gone, and maybe he's got nothing to do with any of it. I'm just throwing that out there. Because they sent out a press release as a football team saying there was going to be a gathering, and everyone thought it was Earl Thomas. And it was – well, not everyone thought that, and maybe I thought that. But, um, but Brandon – like, to me, that was a strange one. Uh, yeah, it's the wrong thing to do. Can I kind of read a couple more things from Aaron Rodgers real quick on this thing? I mean, Please I really do. don't want to listen to Pat McAfee's voice, but um, yeah, I'm sure he's a nice enough guy. Um, so he's he – like I've never heard an opposing player of that of like that ilk just talk about another team who's like not on their schedule or not in their division. So he said, "I, I think it really. Uh, I thought they would rally around Dak's injury and rise up to the occasion, but you know when it rains it pours, and that's not always the case. But a part of me is surprised. The human element takes over, and it just takes one bad player, a bad start, or something, and then guys start effing or." Uh, oh, bitching and moaning and complaining. Not effing. <laughs> bitching and moaning. Hopefully they don't. <laughs> why are we doing this? Hopefully they don't, don't start we, doing that. Why can't the, the offense room. help us? It just gets bad. And you know, I never thought I'd see the Cowboys look this bad. Just a couple of years ago, the last few years actually, you could easily sense how close they were, but they have fallen big time. God. You don't hear that much, dude, from yeah. a big-name player like him, one of the faces of the league. Just talking randomly about another team. Uh, they're not on the schedule this year. They're not um, like in the division. Uh, that, that to me is wild. Maybe that's just Aaron being 
Is this open this year? Have anything to do with just trying to mend things with McCarthy? (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure that's part of it because of the fact that they had such a rocky relationship there to the end that was pretty well publicized. Um, But I want to point out real quick, KT, that if the season ended today, the Cowboys would be hosting the Packers in a wild card game at AT AT&T Stadium. That'd be a real good game for the Packers. (laughs) What would you Um, put the spread on that game? It had to open up at like 10, right? Maybe more? Yeah, I was going to say 14, but yeah. Although the Packers looked terrible against the Bucks, but that game, you know, they got up on the Bucks and dominated them for a quarter. But, you know, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Like the, the division stuff I think is awesome that everyone sucks in the division <laughs> and you have a chance. Um, I realize if you took a poll of the Cowboys fan base, 80% of them would probably say, nah, go ahead and tank. Or maybe, maybe it's fewer than that. I don't know. But I feel like it's probably like 80-20. They're like, yeah, just go ahead and lose games and tank. What are we doing? This is hopeless. That's what I think a lot of the fan base is thinking. Uh, there's a part of me that loves the idea of a team winning a division at five or six games. I think that that's just incredible chaos. I just want to laugh a lot, really. But I, I don't know. But this doesn't, this doesn't get better unless you revamp things. And that is going to take time. Because I'm not sure. Like I, We've kept the... I don't think it's an excuse. I think it's just an, it's an actual reason that should just be uh, noticed is that there was no training camp. And you don't have that bonding and that all that stuff, you know, that you just kind of team building type things. So when you have a new coach, that is difficult. And maybe we're all overlooking that a little bit, maybe. Maybe that's something that seems generic but actually really matters. But the other thing I would say is this is not the first time we're hearing a little discontent in the locker room. And now you're hearing it done. And Jane's tweet even said it too. They initially bought into keeping it in, inside. That means she's heard this. She's been hearing this for a while now. You know, that doesn't mean this, that tweet's the first time because they initially bought in on keeping it in ties internally. She's been, she's known about this. And I bet a lot of people have known about this. Um, so I guess what I would say is this is a little bit of immaturity on the roster. It's a little bit of unaccountability, uh, unaccountability on the roster. And this doesn't get better until you clean house. So if I'm Jerry or I'm Steven, I'm figuring out what the problem is from a player's standpoint or from a coach's standpoint, if the players are right, I'm figuring that out and I'm cleaning up as much as I can because I ain't got time to rebuild this thing. It's We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. So I'm, I'm getting those answers as soon as possible. And it sounds weird to say that. That might be more important than, than uh, you know, going and playing and playing in Washington this week or playing the Eagles next week. It might be finding out what the hell's going on inside and why there's a cancer spreading in the clubhouse. What if the players are right, though? What if the cancer spreading is the new coaching staff? There we go. we got to find that out. And then well, I, I mean, to your point, KT, I think it's very clear, at least from early returns, that Mike Nolan is not the answer for this defense. Um, are we sure... I don't know. It's a small I mean, sample size, Ken. <laughs> Let's just calm down right now, okay? I don't know. Does Mike Nolan can do Mike Nolan? Can he get some players that want to buy into his scheme? That's what I'm because saying. That ain't, that ain't happening. So that's what I'm saying. Like, if they're not going to buy in, what's the point? I do. Jim Tomsula is is known as a gr- good position coach. Do those guys have problems with Jim Tomsula? Maybe they do. I I just think things got so damn comfortable around here that it's just turned into one of those deals where players don't like to be told what to do, or maybe maybe the coaching staff expected these guys to be a little more, you know, willing and able to learn the scheme. Well, you're kind of in a tough spot when 
salaries are involved because there are certain players that are being paid so significantly that you can't just, this isn't like your high school football team where you're like, this kid isn't buying in. Let's just kick him off the team. There's certain guys you can't just kick off the team. And if so, if the defensive scheme isn't doing the things that they think are going to put them in their best position, they have a lot of say in what goes on because they're not going anywhere because of how they're, how the team's committed to them contractually. Now, whether that's, and that's part of the problem probably too, but I'm just saying like, it's not, it's not going to be an easy fix is what I'm getting at. Yeah. I mean, this is a re- this is a results driven business, you know, and, and even if the defense was playing this way, but the team was four and two, I don't think this stuff would be coming out, you know? And so as much as they probably like Jim Tom Sula and Mike Nolan, <laughs> as people and they're probably like really cool with that. They they probably didn't like Jason Garrett much as a person, but the results were there. So they were able to buy in on what he brought to the table, right? I think it's kind of the opposite with this where um what he's bringing to the table is not working, so they can't buy in as much as they want to, you know. It's like oh, our um you know, the, I I guess my my main point is that like the adjustments that they made coming in didn't work, <laughs> you know, like the things that they needed to correct from last year weren't corrected. In fact, they changed so much that they're worse than they were last year. It's not like, okay, let's keep what we were doing last year consistent, maybe change a few things around, see where we need to improve and go from there. It was like, no, let's, let's completely reset this entire thing. So now nobody knows what the hell is going on on the entire defense. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty clear. Mike McCarthy does, believes that what they had been doing previously in defense does not work in today's NFL right. in terms of being vanilla. And, you know, while it allowed the players to play faster and uh, react more and, and, and while they wouldn't get any takeaways, they would at least force you to put together some long drives and things like that. Um, it's just very clear through answers he's had since he's taken this job that he didn't think building on what they did previously was going to be the way that this needs to go. And so he knew that there was probably going to be some rough patches switching over to what he thinks wins in today's NFL. And that's clearly a more multiple defense, you know? And, uh, but to your point though, I do think if they just kind of built on what they did last year, they'd be in a way better situation than they are now. The problem is when you do a significant change like that, it, everyone, if everyone doesn't buy in, it can get real ugly. And that's what we're seeing right now. And, and and the worst part is that it might not even be the ugliest that it could get. It might get a lot worse than that. I mean, what if they just get torched by Washington on Sunday, like a team that they're not scoring any points. And all of a sudden, what if they put up 30 on them and, and they're just, they'd turn the ball over again. I mean, it can get a lot worse than it is right now. I don't care that they're two and four li- leading in the division. Uh, it can still get up even worse. And so it, that's where I'm kind of at now is like, what's the next point? Like at what, when, when would you part ways with, with a member of the coaching staff? Uh, are they on, on staff in their position all the way to the end of the year? Uh, could they be replaced mid season by week? Like how bad does it have to get? Has it already gotten bad enough that they're ready to make changes? Like uh, that's the stuff I'm, I'm interested in seeing. And then here's the other part of it. If you're Mike McCarthy, like, There'll be a lot of people that won't blame you for what's going wrong in the defense, but how bad does that look for you if you got to get rid of your defensive coordinator that you picked the first year on the job, midway through the season, even at the end of the season, to admit that, yeah, this didn't work out? That like with, I mean, your defensive, okay, you're an offensive-minded head coach, okay, regardless of being the Cowboys or even, it could be any sport, I mean, in any level of, of football. Like, your most important hire to me on your coaching staff is your defensive coordinator because you're going to be focused on offense. You need a guy you can absolutely count on that can run your defense. And if that's a guy you're already parting ways with, middle season, 
end a season after one season, that's such a bad look. All the ingredients are in play for a shit sandwich, man, because everything's happening, and then Zeke's fumbling a ton, and that's where we segue to Zeke. So you remember we were talking about uh, you know Todd Gurley being washed up? Remember all those talks? Yes. I don't know if you've seen this. Have you seen this, John? The comparison side by side, Zeke of and Gurley's Todd Gurley's career. Year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. This year, this year. Oh, just this year. Yeah. No, I haven't. Oh, you mean well, Todd each? Gurley in Atlanta? Yeah. No. Todd Gurley, 99 rushes this year. Zeke has 101 rushes, okay? So, two more. They're sixth in the, and seventh in the league in rushing attempts. Uh, let's see here. Todd Gurley, 4.3 yards per carry. Zeke, 4.1 yards per carry, 32nd in the league. Uh, they each have five rushing touchdowns, but rushing touchdowns don't really matter to me. I mean, um, and then yards, 413. So, still getting that, knocking out that four yards of carry mark right there. All this talk, Todd Gurley's washed. You know, you know who's washed? It's Zeke Elliott. And I'm not trying to kill a guy while, I'm, while he's down, but he's Ruggie Odor. And if you're not a baseball fan, I'll quickly explain to you. The Rangers gave Rugnet Odor a six-year contract to play second base for them, and then he immediately started to suck. He quit hitting. He played terrible defense. His body language was not great. It was a regrettable contract. Ezekiel Elliott has turned into Rugnet Odor for the Rangers. And now he's just kind of a problem. And there's nothing you could do to get rid of him. And I'm sure he's a good guy, and I'm sure all the guys like him in the locker room when it comes to that type of thing, you know? Um, I'm sure that's that's the case. I think everyone likes Zeke in that room. But I think we're talking about a situation where it's like, holy crap, if someone wanted Zeke Elliott, I would have to give them my first-round draft pick. Maybe for the next two years. You couldn't take him. He has no value. He has... No value. Well, because of the contract. I because don't of agree it, with that. Because, because of his contract. contract. Maybe because of the contract. Yeah, you got to add that in there. Because if, he, if he's playing on like a rookie deal or something like that, he has a lot of value. Because there's going to be a lot of people that say, yeah, only 4.1 yards per carry. Well, <laughs> I don't know how many guys would be running for a lot behind this offensive line anyway. And you can make the argument that, well, Ed, the running back has to help that situation. He needs, he needs to be better. But but I don't. I wouldn't say that he, he is... Like, I wouldn't use the term washed with him anyway. I, I still think there's good football for him to be played. He For one, he has to take care of the football. <laughs> he, one, he has to take care of the football. Um, but but the other thing is, though, I do believe in still that he is a well-rounded back and, and to the point where, like, he has to play. Like, he has to be on the field because you, you really can't bench him with this offensive line because he needs to be in there in pass protection. So, um, I... I think the thing is what happens, and it's happened with a lot of these players in this team, is that when they get that contract, it makes it so much worse because then you're comparing him to what that money is, and then obviously they use a fourth-round pick on or fourth-overall pick on him. So, yeah, the expectation is super high, and he's not living up anywhere close to that, and that's a huge problem. It's a, it's a major issue, and, and yeah, you're not going to get anything for him in return right now via trade because of that contract. No one's going to no one's going to take that on, but. Um, it's not you good. Have to pay guys, you have to pay guys for what they're going to do and not what they've done. And I understand the idea. In fact, I, I, I was actually okay, and I'm a no-pay running backs guy. I, I truly do believe that, unless it's a Kamara or a McCaffrey, you know, where they really help out in the passing game a ton. And Zeke does help out in the passing game a little bit, but maybe not at that level. 
I, I did look at that deal. The deal's, you know, in the in the headlines is six years at ninety million, but that's really a three year deal at forty five million because they can get out of it after that. And I was sitting there going, okay, well, if you're going to preserve him, then you'll have him until he's 27, and then he can go be a free agent, and he's done. Like, you use him up. But, man, I don't know. That Week one is the only game where it looked like he had burst. I'm yeah. not – I'm trying to I'm trying to look at this, but, we'll, like, take the fumbles out of it and look at it. And I, you just don't see him break tackles. You don't see him have explosive runs. The speed no, is those – those, those, those are good points. I don't think that you're being overly critical of him. I think – I'm just trying to present the other side of the argument that, um, like, I can, I can say, and, and it's not easy to do right now, but I'm just saying, like, I know that there's yeah. a lot of people keep talking about Derrick Henry and how they should have drafted Derrick Henry. Oh, um, well, you play that game all year. I don't, right, I don't you can't. And I just want to go back to the reason that they went with Ezekiel Elliott and the reason why, you know, he was a two-time rushing champ is because he doesn't have to come off the field. He can help you in all areas. And so there is value in that. The problem is that this team needs him to be an elite runner, a $90 million contract runner, and he isn't performing like that at all. So I'm just trying to find a balance here between, like, I don't think that he's, like, like you said earlier, washed. I do think that there is some there's ability there that if everything's going well, that I think he's a huge piece. I just don't know that he can be the huge piece if everything else is not going well around him. Yeah. To your point, John, when they gave Zeke the extension, when they finally agreed on a deal, this offensive line was basically back. You know, Travis Frederick was coming back from Guillain-Barre and was going to play the entire season, right? And he ended up playing at a, at a Pro Bowl level. And so the I thought think- was that Jason Garrett was going to be his head coach. Right. Yep. And they were going to, yeah, let's capitalize on this small window, maybe two, three year window we have with this, this offensive line. And I really do believe that the Jones family and Will McClay, they think of Zeke and this offensive line as like a package deal. They drafted Zeke knowing that he would be running behind this offensive line and that he needs this offensive line to be successful. Now let's fast forward one year to right now where none of that offensive line is here. <laughs> I mean, literally no one is here. And, and you're looking at this thing like, okay, optimistically, Tyron Smith comes back next year, and let's say he plays half a season at best. I mean, that's as much as I can count on probably from Tyron Smith. Worst case scenario, Tyron Smith calls it a day. I've played nine years in the NFL. I've made over $50 million. I'm a low-maintenance guy. I'm good. I'll see you, I'll see you later. Um, you know, Lyle Collins comes back. Maybe you have to swing him over to left tackle if you can't draft anybody you've got a lot of inexperience in the offensive line maybe Zach Martin um, you know doesn't come back strong after this concussion all I'm saying is you might have a a multiple year window here where you may need to rebuild this offensive line Um, somehow some way invest picks trade picks whatever it is to get it back to a level uh, where it was before and and it took years to get it where it was before let's not let's not forget that I mean, well, it's never, a lot of time if, if and money into that if you're doing a, a some type of a chart to kind of show it don't think in your mind that it needs to get back to what it was before they're not going to invest like that they're right just they can't they can't with what what they have on defense and how much it needs to be approved over there they're not going to spend like that on the offensive you're going to have to patchwork this thing together right somehow some way and I mean, uh, this kind of transitions, KT, to <laughs> we were talking about this on our Google brief, John, and, and off the air. If somebody called you this week and you're Jerry Jones and said, I'll give you a one for Zeke, how fast do you accept that deal? 100%. <laughs> In fact, I asked, I then asked the uh, other GM to like ask, call his family and say, are you okay? 
<laughs> really check in on the mental state of that guy. It would cost you draft picks to get someone to take Zeke from you. It would cost you draft picks. You're only saying that right now because Bill O'Brien is out of a job. No. He would get it done. Who would want this guy? Bill O'Brien would make a move Who's, for him. Again, out of the job. There's a reason he's out of the job. So I'm saying, who would want him? Here's the other thing, too. It, 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 it's no probably going to get worse for him because of the fact that every team is going to continue to just load up the box to yeah. try to stop him. And, like, we dare Andy Dalton to beat us type thing like we saw – you know, basically early in Dak's career, and Dak made defenses pay for doing that. Until you make defensive pay, they're just going to keep loading the box to stop your running game because that's the that's the thing that that decides games. If if you can run all over a team, doesn't matter how well you pass, like you're gonna you're gonna dominate them. So they're gonna they're gonna keep they're gonna load the box. They're gonna shut down Zeke, and so the numbers aren't gonna get much better. So the conversation that we're having right now, I guess, what I'm trying to say is that. It's not going away. Like, we're going to have this discussion for the rest of the season. On a bigger scale of things, how many times this year, or even last year if you want to go to it, how many times do you go after a game and go, well, hot damn, Demarcus Lawrence and Jalen Smith and Zeke, those guys all played great. It doesn't happen very often anymore, and that's a problem. I don't got a problem with the Amari Cooper deal. I think we all agree that Amari Cooper doesn't happen if they knew they're getting CeeDee Lamb. But as of right now, and I know we all have our, our weird moments with Amari Cooper almost like once a week where he just got hypnotized or distracted and didn't finish a route, and it ends up being kind of a weird play. You look at Amari Cooper's numbers. He's a top – I think he's got the second most catches. I think he still has the second most catches in the league. Like his numbers are – they're that. They're, they're fine. They're, they're that – they're worthy of that. You may not always feel like he's taking over games – but the numbers he's putting up, and I know it's hard to look at numbers this year just because they've been behind so much it's been weird, but the numbers he's putting up are enough to justify his contract. And for Dak, the way he was playing on the tag, the three guys I keep going back to is Zeke, Jalen, and Demarcus Lawrence because I just feel like I rarely after a game go, well, those guys really made a difference in the game unless it's in a bad way. And I'm less harsh on, on Tank than anyone else because I know Tank is hurt. And Tank, for the most part, tries his ass off all the time, except on Monday night when it's 38-10 and Kenyon Drake's running down the sideline. Yeah, I don't I don't think any of those guys are playing anywhere near what, what they should be for what they're getting paid. But I also am not going to go back and act like I thought all these moves were terrible at the time. I mean... I, I, the only one I that I really was okay. Then now, so I was going to say the only one that I was like, Ugh, I don't know about this was, was the Jalen Smith one. I mean, every contract that they've pretty much done since then, the, I know people will question Demarcus Lawrence cause he hasn't produced the last couple of years, but at that time he was a double digit sack guy. Like, and that's what you thought you were going to get. It's not like you signed him at 30. So you thought you're going to get more years of that. I didn't really have a problem with that. Cause to me after quarterback, that's the second most important position is pass rusher. So I didn't hate, I didn't hate that one either. And then even with Zeke, it's like, they, they got him because they were playing in, a, in an offense that it was really trying to protect your defense. You were going to be run heavy. But now you get to a new head coach who has a different style. And not only can you not run the ball, but like you can't even get chunk plays on any like screen pass. You can't even get a you, – their screen passes, they're lucky – they're lucky to get back to the line of scrimmage or even gain like a yard or two. So when you can't even work simple things like that in there to try and maybe throw a defense off – 
uh, it just clearly Zeke is not a match for anything that Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore are doing right now. And so, you know, it's interesting that KT brings up the point of just, it is a, a more of a three-year deal. You know, they could be thinking about, you know, going in another direction there. And I'm, I know I'm, I'm on Twitter a lot. I know what, how fans feel about this. They're ready to let everybody go. That's making a decent wage right now. But, uh, I, I don't know that, I don't know that Zeke's in the best situation to succeed right now. Let's go to a deleted tweet from Des Bryant the other day. It's deleted, though. It doesn't count. We can't read it. I want Dallas fans to know Cowboys could have had Jalen Ramsey and Derrick Henry. I vouch for that. I could go on and on about my football IQ whenever I watch the players I predict to be great. I feel great about it. I never look at the physical ability. I look at the desire and passion. This this one always irks me because this is the equivalent of like politicians like throwing mud on each other. Because it's like, okay, guys, if you want to play that game, we can go around and around and around and around and around and around. If you want to play, they should have drafted this guy instead of that guy. We can do that for years on end, for teams on end, until you're just exhausted by the exercise. Here's what I do think I know. And if I'm wrong, shoot me. Just just kill me now. I'm not convinced they saw Jalen Ramsey as a cornerback. Yeah, and well, that was a mistake. Zeke was also on their board. And also, I would say this too, the whole idea that you could have Jalen Ramsey and Derrick Henry is a little asinine to me because I don't see Jalen Ramsey playing for the Jaguars anymore. No, he got out of there. So, like, maybe Jalen Ramsey's fine and has it together here and he's a shutdown corner. Sure, you're even rolling the you dice draft, on that, brother. Even if he drafted yeah. Jalen Ramsey, I don't think they would have drafted Derrick Henry. <laughs> I don't think that uh, he was yeah. the type of player that they wanted. And But you look back at it, they drafted Zeke to extend the career of Tony Romo. They needed somebody who could pass protect, who could uh, basically be DeMarco Murray um, on a rookie contract, right? <laughs> so that was the mentality behind it. Not like we don't like Jalen Ramsey. I think they really liked him. They just like the need was bigger for Zeke at the time. If Jalen Ramsey was drafted by the Cowboys and played as well as he did early in his career for Jacksonville and was getting interceptions on a team that just doesn't do that, they would have paid him that contract and he wouldn't have left like like he left Jacksonville. Because if you want to flip it, I can say, let's say Jacksonville takes Ezekiel Elliott and Ezekiel Elliott says, I'm going to Cabo, I'm sitting out. Jacksonville probably lets him go too. But because of the Cowboys and you know, if you produce on the field and you're a star player, they're going to pay. Jalen Ramsey's still here if he was drafted by the Cowboys. I'm very, very convinced of that. It's very easy to want to leave Jacksonville. Yeah. If Jerry Jones is going to give you the money and make you one of the highest paid corners because you're producing, but they would have paid Byron Jones if Byron Jones got got takeaways. I don't care what anybody yeah. says. But when you're missing, that's a huge part on a team that that's a huge thing that they're missing. So I think Jalen Ramsey would still be here. I don't believe that they would have taken... Derrick Henry in the second round. I think that they probably still would have went with Jalen Ramsey. I mean, uh, with uh, Jalen Smith or maybe even Miles Jack, which wouldn't have been a bad pick either. Um, but it does look nice on paper right now to sit there and say, oh, you could have Jalen Ramsey and, and Derrick Henry. Nobody was saying that after the first two years that, that Zeke and, and Derrick Henry were in the league. That, that pick was going to be Zeke. If Joey Bosa was on the board, I think that's where it becomes interesting. And they would have taken Leonard Floyd over Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, what a it's what, what would happen. What a they were not sold that, disaster. They were not sold that Jalen Ramsey could play cornerback. Okay, just stop, let's stop. Let's stop and let's address. And by the way, no, quick, I want to address this? that. I want to address that. Mm-hmm. 
They didn't think Jalen Ramsey could play corner. They didn't know. Look at look at the people that they have playing defensive back, many of which they've added, draft, whatever. Look at all the free agency signings they've made at safety. It certainly seems like they don't know how to evaluate defensive backs. Yeah, they knew Cheeto Ouzier would uh, contribute to the uh, pass rush too, right? Their evaluation <laughs> of defensive backs deserves to be criticized. As great as they are at, at, at addressing other positions, defensive back is not one of their strengths. What they did with Byron I thought was so unfair to him, moving him to safety for two years. It's like, why? Why would you move? I don't. I just didn't understand it. Jalen Ramsey, though, was a difficult evaluation, and you know this, John, from watching Florida State. Though he played yeah, he everywhere, makes plays. And did all, yeah, that's a guy that you want. And your did team. everything. Yep. Remember that? Yep. Good no, play I'm maker. with you. I think I'm more. You. More the well, point they let though. Dion get in the mix. You know, they yeah. let Dion get in the mix there. <laughs> the so point Cowboys. Dez is trying to make. I mean, it's it's talent aside. He's trying to say um, that Zeke has no passion. That, uh, you know, you want guys that have that uh, hunger like like Dez that live and breathe playing football. And I guess, you know, Dez was in the in the locker room with Zeke for two years. So, I mean, he does have some experience with them. I think Ezekiel Elliott does have passion. I think he does want to be one of the great running backs in the league. Um, But I guess Dez is trying to say that, uh, you know, when this guy's not successful, he doesn't care. And, um, you know, is lackadaisical. (laughs) I don't know if he was trying to say all that. I'm not going to put words in his mouth of a deleted tweet, but I will say this. I don't think that you're in a good spot if you have 53 players that that play with the passion that Des Bryant did. But I do think you need some players on your team like that, and I don't know that there's very many on this current team. I would agree with you on that. That's really more dogs. Point. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's say uh, let's do a quick quick Washington football team. Just kind of look ahead here. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Allen's their quarterback. Can you imagine, guys? Uh, this is a quick Dwayne Haskins note. Can you imagine your boss hating you so much that he then went and told the whole world that you had diarrhea? Because that's basically what happened. They sent him home with a stomach issue after they benched him. That seemed like an odd thing to do. They had five 10-play drives against the Giants, which was the the number of plays, 10-play uh, drives that they had had up to the point this year. Uh, with with Kyle Allen, I saw him a couple times for Carolina last year and then watched a little bit of him with the uh, last week. We're talking about a check down Charlie here, but he's he's serviceable. He's not going to like turn the ball over nine times. Um, 
He's good at a little bit mobile, you know? Escape the pocket, make some plays, extend plays. But, man, I think the bigger thing is they don't have any targets. I mean, it's Terry McLaurin who's great and is becoming, you know, top 10-ish, top 15-ish wide receiver in this league. But then they're throwing it to Antonio Gibson, the rookie. They're throwing it to J.D. McKissick, a running back. <laughs> then they're, like, looking, is there another wide receiver? Then, like, randomly Dontrell Inman will show up, probably against the Cowboys. And they got, they're tied in Logan Thomas is a pretty big target as well. So they got some, you know, they're not some t- – look, they're, again, they're 30th in points at 18 points a game. They don't run the ball at all. They're averaging 3.5 yards a carry. That's less than Zeke's averaging. So that tells you they're not doing very well there. But I do think they can nickel and dime you and kind of keep some drives going against this defense. <laughs> So I don't even care about their current team. I'm just looking at it from this standpoint, and I'm going to sell Cowboys fans on a positive thing that come out of the Cowboys losing this game. The worst thing that can happen for the Cowboys in this division for the next 15 years is you do not want Trevor Lawrence in the division. So you want the Giants to at least win a game here or there. You want Washington to win a game here or there. You do not want this once-in-a-10-year type quarterback going there. And I'll be honest with you, I know that Washington's dysfunctional, but if you told me, and I've never run a football team, but, you're, but they were like, hey, John, we really like reading your articles on The Athletic. You can run the Washington football team, and you can pick the two players you want to build a team around. Okay, my top two positions are quarterback and pass rusher. And if you tell me I can build a team around Trevor Lawrence and Chase Young, like that's going to that's gonna cover up a lot of weaknesses in my ability to evaluate other talent. Like I'm in a pretty good spot right there. You do not want them getting those two guys put together for the next decade. And the other part that's interest interests me about Washington is it's very clear that they don't have their quarterback of the future. And would I would not be surprised if their week one starter next year is a guy that's not currently on their team. And what fascinates me about them is that I don't think that they're going to be bad enough to get Trevor Lawrence, but they could be in a spot that the next best quarterback is Justin Fields. And the reason that interests me is because of covering this team and just the pain that people went through through the Morris Claiborne pick. And it was like, LSU has good defensive backs every year. And people are like, I don't want them taking any more DBs out of LSU because Morris Claiborne didn't work. How many people in Washington are like, no, 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 no. We're not doing this Ohio State quarterback thing. We just did that. It didn't work out. And I I don't know about you, KT. I think Justin Fields is a better player, but uh, coming out of college than Dwayne Haskins was. But I just, I wonder yeah. how Washington fans are going to feel about that if they draft him, you know? It's, it's also on that same token, the Trey Lance kid from North Dakota State, he's kind of seen as the third quarterback, and but the, of three kind of sure shot first round guys, and he's already like opted out of the season. But he's got like ten Division two starts, and I'm sitting there going, "Man, is he riding Carson Wentz's coattails?" <laughs> now I will eventually go watch every throw he made in those ten games, and we'll find out if he's good or not. But like, I really don't know. I, I still want to go win games, dude. At noon, I want to go win games, and I want to see this team try. I don't want to see this thing burn up. Well, maybe I do a little bit. But, but like, I want to go try and win a game. So, like, to me, once we get to the whole point of, and I realize there's a lot of the fan bases like, F it, lose. I just, to me, I get to, I don't want to get to a point of, well, why are we watching the games then? If you just want them to lose, like, why are we even, what, why are we wasting our time? I don't well, want to play there. younger players to try and see the upside of younger players. That's the only thing I, I can come up with is that you give other guys opportunities that you wouldn't give if you were still like, like maybe you see more Reggie Robinson and, and, and maybe you play more like, uh, 
I don't know, Bradley and just, I and, and some of these younger yeah. guys that like, you know, Francis Bernard and just to see what could potentially because you know that you're cutting loose a lot of this roster after the season. That's the only positive. And, and I'm and I'm with you, KT. That's not even fun to watch. No, no, I, I want I, I just got to I don't want it to be a preseason game, man. Uh, I, I, competitive spirit. I mean, that's that um, it just drives me nuts in sports. And I know that the I almost want to do something with draft orders in pro sports. So it's not a thing where you're rewarded for losing. I think it's disgusting that the Astros would get rewarded for losing all those years. I think it's disgusting that the Philadelphia 76ers can go do something called the process and lose on purpose and then, like, we'll try to get better. And by the way, I don't see them winning any titles. But, you know, like, for, it's the whole thing of, like, Kevin Durant going to the Warriors. You're one of the best players in the league, and then you went to join that team? You went to go join that team. Have some freaking competitive spirit about yourself, and let's go out and fight. You know, and I realize I'm starting to sound like Jason Garrett right now, but, like... You miss him. I, I just, at noon, no, at noon, I want to go beat the Washington football team's ass. Like, that's just me. That's how I'm wired. And I don't know. We're going to find out how many people are wired because you put up with another another pooper right there, it's quite clear where we are. You lose to I'm, the Cardinals. Hey, they could have lost to the Cardinals, and I think we know where we stand. Let's just double confirm it right here. Noon at FedEx Field. Let's double confirm this team doesn't give a damn because that's what we're going to find out. I will say about your earlier point on the draft, uh, I'm fine with the way it is because I I'm I've seen enough of New England winning and I just think of it like college football like where the top teams yeah. get the top players and it's like you don't want New England's drafted at the back of all these rounds and they're still the best team in football I mean not this year but you know over the last decade plus well, uh, so it, I I know where you're coming from but I think it's better for the parity of the league that they do it the way that it is because let's be honest if Trevor Lawrence goes to the Jets it really ain't gonna matter. No, 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 you're right. The parity of the league does matter too. That's a big thing that keeps people involved from all fan bases uh, for the most part. I just like the idea of teams that don't make the playoffs then have an equal chance of getting the number one pick. You make the playoffs, you're picking where you are, but the teams that don't make the playoffs, but I don't know. Maybe I'm You want a lottery like the NBA? Little lottery balls? I don't know. I think in the NFL, I'll probably keep it where it's at. But elsewhere, I don't know. I I, I just can't handle it. You know, you would start in, in week 12 if you want to start talking about tanking. I can't handle week six, start tanking. I just I just don't like that. That tells me that you don't like to fight. That tells me you don't want to go to war. And I realize there's a long con pick, picture here. That's about building the roster up. But, man, Aaron Donald wasn't the first pick in the draft. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just, I just think you can, if you trust your, like, organization, to me you should always be building, always. Always building. Now, if it makes sense to lose a game in week 17 to get a better draft pick, yeah, all about it. You know, I'm fine about that. But you should always be finding ways to, to build your roster and do it in a way that's like, oh, I trust my scouts to go find me a good player. So if we're drafting seventh instead of third, I'm going to get a good player at seven, and I trust that. And I don't know. But okay, uh, there's a I, reason I'm just here and not, not there. I find and it I don't, interesting. I don't want to give up. I don't want to give up. I find it interesting how players are already going back to the idea of like, well, you know, we still control our destiny. We're we're leading in the division. Everything's still in front of us. I just heard that way too much last year. 
and they never took advantage of the, of that situation because they were in that same spot all of last season. I just feel like there's a lot of the same stuff being said that just makes you think you're you know they're just going through the same thing. And I kind of thought that, that that would go out the window because of a new coaching staff, but I don't know. My I keep going back to this. I don't care about not having the regular offseason because of COVID. I don't care about not having preseason games. Can you just get better week to week? Can I see yeah. some improvement in some areas from week to week? Because I'm, I'm not really seeing that right now. Predictions. Oh, here, question real quick. What good does it do uh, for Dallas to win this division this year? In all honesty. <laughs> Say they're on well, the you table. Get to, you get a playoff game, and and who knows if, if like uh, – you know, you just play nice the best exposure game. on TV. Okay, great. That's what no. You just play like a great game, and you know, you happen to cause some turnovers, and next thing you know, like you're in this game in the fourth quarter. Maybe you maybe you sneak one out and you win one, and and that could do a lot for you going into the off season. Like could build hmm. uh, morale and things like that with guys that are, remain on the team. Uh, you always want to make the playoffs if you get a chance to make the playoffs. I don't care how dire it is. It just it's hard to make the playoffs. So, um, and I sound like Jason Garrett saying that. Uh, wasn't it good for Mike? If, if, if Mike McCarthy's your head coach next year, and we all think that on this show, right? We all think Mike McCarthy's your – isn't that good if they get a little momentum and they get past this, sure. whatever this is, you know? Because if, it, if it's done and it's just going to burn for the next three months, that's not good for anyone. Yeah. Aside from your draft pick. I think Kent's that's assuming it. that, like, they make the playoffs at, like – Four and twelve. Yeah, and I'm, I'm assuming that that every team is just so bad. That's like, but I won't. I'm not assuming that. I'm assuming that if they make the playoffs, that they're going to win seven or eight games. And from yeah. where we are right now, if you tell me this team ends up with seven or eight wins, I would say that things started to trend in a better direction. Let's have that playoff game. But yeah, if it's four or five wins to get you in the playoffs, right? It probably it probably doesn't do much for. If it. they only get in because everyone else is so terrible and somebody yeah. has to get in, and then you just get your ass kicked by Seattle or Green Bay. In I'm the first telling round. you though, like sports are a funny business, man. When you go into a playoff game like that and you have absolutely nothing to lose, and everyone's like, "Yeah, you're just gonna get blown out." Like, watch that team hang around because watermelon like, kick every time. But yeah, is it delusion though? Is it like? Oh well, man, we really pulled it together last year. We're on, we're on to something here, guys. We got this thing. When in reality, no, but I, I, I can tell you this right now: as bad as everything looks at this point, if they got in the playoffs and won a playoff game, it would erase a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of the bad that's happened this year. Yeah, true. Because you literally would have had this awful season, the worst that we've seen in the last decade, easy, and then you win a playoff game and got to the same exact round that you that had been your pinnacle for the last decade. So I mean. It would they be fought. wild. They fought. Yeah. They fought. <laughs> Let's try. They finished finish the fight. Finish the fight. Right. Speaking of finishing the fight, Kent Garrison, you were 6-0 on picks this year. Can you make it 7? Um, so am I up right now? That's what you're saying? Well, actually, I um, think John and I should go first because uh, go for you're 6-0. and Washington wins. What do you got on the score? Can I get a score? 27 to 16. I'm glad that you went with that because I did a podcast yesterday with Ben Standick who covers the Washington football team for the Athletic. And I went with Washington 27-24, so I didn't want you to copy my score. So, yes, I am also going with the Washington football team. 27 points that they're going to score somehow, some way. To beat 
your Dallas Cowboys, who will only score 24. Kent? Wow. I did not expect you guys to predict Washington. (laughs) I'll be completely honest. Um, You know, when you look at Washington, yeah, they haven't done crap on offense. I mean, they're literally last in the league in offense in most categories, but you know what? This defense, Cowboys defense is last in the league in most categories, but when you look at Washington's defense, they're among the best in the league. I mean, they're they're only allowing like 200 yards a game through the air. They got they got um, you know obviously that pass rush coming together. So I think that uh, Washington's defense is going to give this Cowboys offense some fits in terms of um, rushing Andy Andy Dalton out of the pocket, making things messy back there for Ezekiel Elliott. Um, so I don't know if this passing game ever really gets much of a groove in this game. But man, this is this is honestly the toughest prediction of the year so far, in my opinion. These these teams are both kind of evenly match when it comes to the dysfunction across the board. Um, Just give us the pick. Damn. I'm going to go with Dallas. I'm going to go with Dallas um, in a lower scoring game than you guys think. Uh, I'm going to go Dallas 20, Washington 17. Well, there you go. The Cowboys are going to win. Yeah. Ken hasn't hasn't been wrong, so here we go. I'm team tank right now. But I got to go with my gut, and um, I think Dallas mysteriously pulls out something out of their ass up there for no, for whatever reason it is. And uh, But, I mean, I could be wrong. And if I am, then we got problems in Dallas. More problems. Big problems, which we will chop up with you Sunday night after the game. It's a noon game on Sunday, so early on. We'll get that podcast up for you, you know, early Monday morning and uh, be good to go. So please join us on Sunday. And uh, keep following everyone on The Athletic, if you would. Also, you can go to theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys. Go a 40% discount if you're a first-time subscriber. And please remember to share, like, retweet us, all that stuff. Keep the word out so we can keep doing this podcast for you twice a week during the football season uh, on The Athletic. And uh, this is, of course, About Them Cowboys. For producer Kent Garrison, that's at Kent Garrison on Twitter. For Father John Mashota, that's at John Mashota, and you spell that M-A-C-H-O-T-A. I'm Kevin K.T. Turner, and I'm at K.T. Fun Tweets on the follow places. We'll see what happens, man. Uh, the city's on fire, but uh, man, Dallas, Washington, old school football rivalry. Sunday at noon, it's going to be a bloodbath. Or not. We'll talk it up. And, uh, yeah, Sunday. On about the Cowboys next time.